welcome to the Female Founder World Podcast. It's Jasmine. I am the host of the show and I'm the person behind all of Female Founder World online and in real life experiences. Today, I am not speaking to a consumer brand founder. I'm speaking to Julianne Fraser, the creator of Dialogue New York, which is literally the influencer marketing agency for people building consumer brands. I don't speak to a ton of experts who are agency builders or freelancers on the show. We're very much focused on speaking to the brand founders, but I wanted to chat to Julianne because she is the person that founders recommend to each other when they need someone to run their influencer marketing. She has started and scaled super impactful influencer marketing programs for brands like Gear, Little Spoon, Sakara Life, Gold. She is the person that is really driving results for the brands that you see all over social media and people speak so highly of her. I wanted to have her on the show so that she could teach us what she knows and we get into some really specific case studies and very tangible takeaways and she does not gatekeep this information. She really, really shares what you need to know if you want to scale or start an impactful influencer marketing program. And because we're focused on launch marketing over the summer, you'll notice that a lot of our episodes are geared towards how to really create buzz and impact when you're launching a new product or a new business. We also really use that lens throughout this conversation. So there's a lot of stuff that you'll be able to take away and apply to your next launch, or if you're getting a business off the ground, that you'll be able to apply to that big moment when you release your product and your business into the world. We also have a download available for our business bestie members. It is a curation checklist that Julianne uses when she's kind of trying to decide which influences a brand should be working with. So that's a really practical thing that you can go and use right after listening to this episode. I put a link in the show notes and it's available now to our business bestie members. Before I jump into the conversation, also just one very, very quick thing. We are giving away an opportunity to be on the Female Founder World podcast and win $1,000 cash. This is going to a brand or a person that speaks about Female Founder World on TikTok and like obviously only nice things, guys. You got to be saying nice things. If you're sharing one of our resources, speaking about an event, the podcast, something that you've been enjoying about Female Founder World that's been helping you as you've been building your business, if you share it on TikTok and you get the most views out of all of the other people people who are entering in the competition by sharing on TikTok, you're going to win the prize. You'll be on the podcast. You'll get $1,000 cash, a bunch of other prizes as well. There is a link in the show notes for all the terms and conditions, but it's pretty straightforward. Just get on TikTok, say nice things and tell the world about what we're doing. Okay, let's get into the show. You are now entering female founder world with your host, Jasmine Grinesworthy. Julianne, welcome to the female founder world podcast. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to chat with you. You are one of the very few agency owners slash experts that we have had on the show. We normally speak with consumer brand founders, but as we're kind of leaning into this conversation around launch marketing and what's working in consumer brands, you're somebody that I really wanted to talk to because you are the person that consumer brands work with and use when they're doing influencer marketing and influencer strategy. Tell us a little bit about 
your agency, the brands that you've worked with. I just feel like people need to know the caliber of expert that we have on the show today. Uh, Well, thank you. I started my consultancy dialogue about six years ago. I've been in this world of digital marketing for the last decade and kind of started my career around the time Instagram had launched and had the good fortune to be able to test and try different things. And during that time, I realized that, you know, the influencer marketing world is what I lovingly refer to as the wild, wild west. It's even more crazy and wild now than it's ever been before. But there's just so many players, so many approaches, so many different creators. And over, you know, the time I spent in-house working with different brands, building out these strategies, I realized there was a great opportunity to kind of combine the relationship and creativity side that PR firms are so well-versed in and the trackability and measuring performance that a lot of these performance marketing agencies will engage for influencer. And then also, you know, all of these platforms that have evolved Creator IQ and Grin and Tribe Dynamics that really have helped automate and scale influencer marketing. And so my consultancy and my team, we kind of take a hybrid approach of all three and really build out programs that not only have multiple layers to their influencer community, but also really focus on longevity of relationships, which we'll talk about. But we work with a really wide variety from Shiseido and Adidas on the corporate end to Brooklinen and Seed Probiotics and Sakara Life and Harry's sort of in that mid-range startup and a lot of early stage startups as well, you know, Gia, Ami Cole, Gold. So really wide variety in fashion, beauty, health, wellness, home decor, whatnot. But regardless of the budget, this life stage that the brand is in, our philosophy and our approach really remains the same. And we're going to talk about two pretty specific case studies today. And these are a couple of brands that I think are going to really resonate with the folks who are listening. We have Gia, which is the non-alcoholic beverage company. We've had Melanie Mazarin, the founder on the show before. So guys, if you're listening and you're really interested in the story, you want to learn more about Melanie and like the brand as a whole, definitely go and check out her episode. And we're also going to talk about Little Spoon as well. And I want to start with Little Spoon. I think this is such an interesting case study. So you started working with them back when they were kind of just getting started. They, I think they'd raised a seed round and this was what, five years ago? Yeah, just over five years ago. And it's honestly a client that I'm I'm most proud of just because of what we've built together and the loyalty we've had over five years. It's pretty incredible. And I was doing some Googling. I saw that Little Spoon just raised a Series B, a $44 million Series B round. So they've obviously had a lot of success that you've been working with them through this whole time. I know that one influencer that you've worked with has driven over a million dollars in sales and... Yeah. It's all because of this very specific approach that you've had to building their influencer program. So talk me through, first of all, what is kind of the approach that you've had to building Little Spoon's influencer strategy when they were just getting started? And then we can dive into some specifics after that. Definitely. So ultimately, our the approach we took with Little Spoon and what we take across all of our clients is really a multi-layered strategy. And so what that means is you know, each month we are building out a pretty substantial seeding and gifting program. So we're engaging say 40 or 50 micro influencers or mid-tier influencers each month, uh, guaranteed to post in exchange for products. So we're gifting them Little Spoon product and we're getting this constant flow of UGC and social buzz always on kind of strategy. And then a second layer to that might be 
content collaboration. So if Little Spoon is launching a new product or if they're in dire need of TikTok style video content or lifestyle photography, we'll engage sort of a virtual studio of creators who can follow creative briefs and really capture this great content that the team can leverage across all of their marketing channels and, and social. Another layer might be events and experiences. So if there's a great retail partnership that they're engaging or a new launch event that they're working on with their PR team, we'll engage a certain group of influencers to support their affiliate marketing is another layer. And then of course, paid influencer that we've built to and, and kind of reached over time. And so through these multiple layers, we build what I like to refer to as sort of this halo effect where you're seeing Little Spoon everywhere, everywhere, you're getting that multiple touch point and all of the strategies and the different influencer relationships are working in harmony, supporting one another. So I think so many brands are quick to either just jump straight to only paid influencer or believe in only seeding and gifting. And it's really hard to get that kind of halo impact without building sort of the multiple layers. And the second aspect and philosophy of our strategy is longevity to relationships. So for each new client we work with, we're building out these influencer relationship roadmaps. And so we're thinking, how can we introduce a mom to Little Spoon at day one, maybe through gifting and seeding? Can we invite her to an event at month three? Can we, you know, gift her a collaborative partner campaign package at month five? And then can we transition her into a paid collaborator down the line? And through this sort of, and, and again, we're, we're also kind of identifying who is an influencer versus an evangelist that really goes above and beyond and building out these unique roadmaps specific to each creator. So over the last five years, we've built a community of over 2000 influencers. And for each one, we're really being thoughtful in, in considering the long-term relationships so that, you know, it, it leads to, as you mentioned, these great returns over time. In the example of the influencer who drove, you know, a million in sales, I know that when you started working with them, they were kind of on the smaller end of an influence and, the, and then they kind of mm -hmm. like blew up. Can you talk to me about how that relationship got started and then how that progressed as like an example of what you were just talking to? Yeah. So I'm such a huge believer in life, in my agency, with my clients, with creators, that relationships are the absolute crucial, most important part of an influencer strategy. I think that is pretty obvious, but I think a lot of brands don't consider that when they're building out their programs and they're not being thoughtful in that these are you know individuals, they're creatives that we're building relationships with. So in this particular case, the creator that we engaged many years ago as a micro-influencer, I think she had 40,000 followers. We gifted her, we built that you know, loyalty. She absolutely loved Little Spoon products. She talked about it really authentically with, and as she was serving it to her children that were growing. And over time, as TikTok evolved and launched, she blew up and, and now has over a million followers on TikTok. And so the authenticity of that relationship, her followers and her community have seen that she uses Little Spoon every single day and genuinely absolutely loves it, that you can't replicate. You can't replicate it with, you know, a huge amount of money in a paid campaign. That sort of authenticity is what leads to these incredible uh, returns. I think it's important to not only look at it in a short-term perspective, but also with expectations that not every single influencer is going to drive that kind of result. So it's important to have sort of that high volume of collaborations and diversity across the types of influencers that you're working with and also level set that 
someone with a million followers might drive no sales and someone with 20,000 mm. followers might, you know, drive you 500 new customers overnight. So it's really looking at it holistically as a community and as an overarching strategy rather than individually per relationship. How do you find or identify who the right influencers and creators are for a certain brand to be working with? What does that process look like? I'm sure that you're working with all of these different brands. I'm sure you and your team just like pull out of a hat and just know, you know, the landscape so well, but for somebody who is launching a product in in maybe a new category, they are starting a new business. How can they be identifying the right people to work with? So with all of our, our clients, we develop this, you know, initial strategy and we start by defining influence. And I think, again, we go right to the basics. I think oftentimes people have perceptions of what an influencer is. And there's such a diverse definition of that. So we start by defining what is a traditional digital influencer. This is someone whose full-time you know, career is focusing on building content, their communities, and they are experts at photography, videography, whatever it might be. Then we define tastemakers. So these are individuals who might be entrepreneurs, activists, athletes, and they've amassed a social following as a result of their passion. This isn't their full-time gig, but they have this great influence. Then there's experts, there's doctors, nutritionists, there's stylists, there's people who are absolute experts in their field. Again, not their full-time career, but something that they've amassed over time. So it's really important to kind of define those categories and think of their right approach per, because if you approach a digital content creator the same way an expert, you're not going to get the results that you're hoping for. And second to that, we really kind of develop a curation checklist for our clients and making sure that we really deeply understand their target consumers. And that checklist looks like demographics. Are they in you know, coastal metropolitan cities? Are they in middle America? Are they, what's their age range? Where do they shop? What is you know, their household income, hypothetically, obviously, we're not asking each influencer for the household income, but having those parameters of demographics help us kind of narrow down curation. Then we look at the different categories, just because you're a beauty brand doesn't mean you can only work with beauty influencers, you know, travel, lifestyle, moms, culinary, there could be a really wide variety of influencers who can translate your brand story. So then we define categories of values being really important. So specifically with someone like Sakara Life, you know, we're not going to engage someone that just talked about McDonald's the day before. So we really are identifying what are the values that are important to those creators and then the metrics, the average reach, their engagement rates and whatnot. And we present that to the client. We get on the same page. We'll tinker with that, you know, curation checklist. And then from there, we're starting to build out our list. And yes, we have built a, you know, a database of, of, creators that, you know, over the years, we know their dress sizes, we know their child's names, their dietary preferences. But I think if you are starting off having that checklist and, you know, building out your North Star of this is an ideal creator for us to work with. And then from there, you can find others similar to them. So it's definitely doable without you know, the really, really expensive platforms or software, it can be done very grassroots, but I think it's so crucial to have up front that, that checklist so that you're not going completely off base and engaging influencers that aren't speaking to your target consumer. Hey, it's Jasmine. And I am just jumping in to remind you that we are launching Launch Lab, which is a workshop series all about launch marketing. You will have noticed that over the summer, we are speaking a lot about launch marketing tactics that folks are using to drive real results, generate buzz for consumer brands right now. 
And if you're enjoying this content, you are going to love this workshop series that we're going to be hosting at the end of the summer. We have a wait list open right now. Once you're on the wait list, you're going to get notified as soon as the series drops. Everything is going to be taught live by brand builders and founders, but also experts like Julianne, who you're listening to right now. The link is in the show notes. Get your name on the wait list and join Launch Lab. You mentioned before when you were talking about Little Spoon and you now have a community of over 2000 influencers that are involved with the brand in some way. That feels like a lot. Did you, what did you start with and how did that grow over time? I think that, you know, folks who are maybe like starting out or who are, haven't really been in the space for a while, the thought of like building a relationship with 2000 influencers feels like a really big job. What do you, you know, do you start with like 10 a month or like, where do you, what, what are the first steps there? Yeah. So going back to how we define it, I think Little Spoon's a perfect example of it. So content creators, we would reach out and really speak to the mission behind Little Spoon. And I think it's the, the same with PR. It's the same with brand marketing, having that why, having a really compelling story um, and something that differentiates you is crucial across all marketing mediums. So knowing that and really being able to communicate that with the influencer community um, has allowed us to build, you know, these in-kind gifted content collaborations month over month. And so, yeah, you could mm-hmm. start off with 10. I always say that it's very much doable to hire someone junior in-house who can build out those lists, who can start the relationships, who can outreach. And a lot of that can be done grassroots in-house. You don't need an agency to do that. I think where we come in is we help just scale and build that the kind of momentum over time. But starting off with gifting and seeding, tastemakers, for example, uh, Little Spoon's co-founder came up with a editorial platform that she developed in partnership with Ari- um, Ariana Huffington. And it was called, Is This Normal? And as a new mom, Jasmine, I'm sure we both can relate to this, but all those questions yeah. that you ask yourselves like, oh my God, is this normal? Is this normal? So they developed this editorial platform and we were able to engage some incredible tastemakers like Chrissy Turlington and Rebecca Minkoff and Bobby Brown and all these incredible moms who participated in interviews and on, you know, the, the site and supporting the brand is this normal because of the really compelling storyline. So that's an example of another layer where we were now tapping into the tastemaker group of uh, community of influencers. And then we built out some amazing photo shoots and, and collabs for these new product lines. So it kind of, it built over time, but like I said, it's so important to define the different types of influencers and approach them strategically. If you go out to a Rebecca Minkoff and say, will you post in exchange for product? You're not going to get the same sort of, you know, response. And so really being thoughtful in, um, you know, how can you benefit those individuals and, and what is it about a micro influencer that Little Spoon can support in their journey and making it a two way street, not just all about asking, but, you know, building out, ways that we can support these creators that are up and coming. And I think the example that we spoke about earlier is a great example of that, you know, supporting her and nurturing her as much as we can in her career. She's led to over a million followers on TikTok now. So making sure it's a two-way street in those relationships is is crucial. What are some of the best practices for outreach? Are you, you know, are you DMing on whatever platform they're using? Like you DMing on Instagram, are you finding an email address and reaching out there? Like, how do you reach out to an influencer in a way that what you say is going to be well-received? 
I'm a big believer of email. I think when you start getting to the volume of communication that, that we're doing, it's very challenging to do that over Instagram. That said, I, I know of brands that do manage, I think Set Active is a great example where they're managing their mm. phone's relationships over text message. So there's not a one size all wow, interesting. model. Yeah. So if you're, if you're part of the influencer community of Set Active, you have a direct texting relationship and direct line with their team. So I don't think there has to be a specific way, but we focus with email. So we might reach out by DM and ask for contact information. If we need to, we send out personalized emails and really speak to the the benefits of, of why you might be interested in Little Spoon and how it can make your life easier. Again, it's so rudimentary and so simple to think about, but I think, you know, looking at how brands often pitch influencers, it's very focused on their needs and very cut and dry. And we take the time to really be thoughtful in the way we present our clients, in the way that we're curating our lists. There, I think oftentimes, especially now with, I think the number $16 billion being invested in influencer marketing this last year alone, Oof. that number has 10X in the last five years since I've had my company. So huge amounts of money being put into this tactic and it's becoming very, very competitive. And with that investment, I think brands are looking for concrete returns immediately. And I'm always the biggest proponent on every new business call, every brand I speak to, I really believe that influencer marketing is sits at the subsect of brand and performance marketing. And if you think of it only as brand or only as performance, you're really missing out on like the magic that it can drive. And so again, like from a performance standpoint, yes, you could reach out to a thousand influencers with a one line and a offer for money. And you're going to get that quality of content in return. You're going to get that quality of collaboration. If you take the time to be thoughtful, personal, creative, coming up with really unique campaigns that are going to pierce through the social noise, that's the results you're going to get. So I think it really has to be that balance of thoughtful, creative brand marketing with you know, an, a lens of tracking performance. Okay. So that leads us perfectly to gear and the work that you've done with them. You've kind of taken this non-influencer influencer model, engaging creatives and different kind of inter- folks who are aligned with the brand's values to really drive buzz. Talk me through what's been working at Gear and how you've been building that program for them. Yeah. So, and I think again, like as much as there are opportunities to streamline and and become more efficient in your influencer work, because as you mentioned, it's a ton of work. You're, you're reaching out to so many different influencers, so many different relationships. But I think it's so crucial. What we do with every single new client is thinking through what is core to their brand and their ethos and what's the best way to translate this. So we don't have a cookie cutter approach across all clients. So with Kia, you've interviewed Melanie. She's such a visionary. She has such a strong point of view and direction in, in what she wanted the Gia universe to really represent. And in speaking with her, we recognized how important the values of creativity and creative collaboration were to her brand. And so we really took the approach of sort of fewer collaborations, but far more in-depth and meaningful collaborations. We knew that she had Gia House in LA that we could leverage from an in-person perspective. We knew that she does really beautiful, high-caliber photo shoots for her new launches and campaigns. And so we were specifically looking for creatives 
who could activate at the physical house. So whether it be a ceramicist based in LA or a fitness instructor that could host a great event or a chef that could collaborate with the team to host a dinner at the, the house. Likewise, for content collaborations, we were finding photographers that really inspired Melanie that she could collaborate with for her photo shoots. So again, it wasn't about really, really high volume and diversity. Uh, for Gia specifically, it was how can we build these really niche communities of offline influence? And I think Melanie really recognizes and her team really saw the value in that. That the and, and it's something that you can see rings true in her marketing strategy across the board. She's so integrated into these small communities, whether it's Williamsburg, where we live, in the retail bodegas or the restaurants, you see Gia in these really thoughtful ways. And so we mirrored that same approach when we were building out influencer relationships of not going far and wide and mass, but really thinking of niche small communities that have offline influence that can really offer creative value uh, in terms of the collaboration to the brand. We kind of chatted a little bit before the show and about how Melanie and her tie to the brand has also impacted the way that you think about influencer marketing. Talk me through that approach and what that means. And for people who are working in or building a founder-led brand, how does that impact the way that you approach influencer marketing? Oh, immensely. So we've worked with quite a few brands that are founded by influential individuals. So whether it be Low Bosworth of Love Wellness, Kelly Rosa, celebrity founded, with Jada or Gold with Trinity, I think there's a unique opportunity when you have an influential founder to really tap in and build these meaningful relationships. And I think the first question I always ask in an audit is, are you comfortable with, with engaging, you know, this community just because it works for other brands? If that's not your personality, if you're not very social or, you know, love, you know, being sort of the, the face of it to force it is more detrimental than, than good. And so that sort of a first question is, are we comfortable with it? If we are then thinking through the different opportunities and ways that we can build direct connections with the founders. So with Melanie, again, it was identifying and trying to find out what photographers and creative directors inspired her and reaching out to to build sort of these more in-depth relationships, whether it be product collaborations or really, you know, creative photo shoots or event collaborations. And with someone like Lo, for example, she's so, I know you just interviewed her. She's so involved in her. She's amazing. Uh, incredible, incredible. So inspiring and so engaged in her brand and her community that she's built. So when we, we just kicked off with their team and we, we presented to them last week, our influencer strategy. And a huge part of that was getting Lo involved and finding ways that she can really build community across the brand. So again, don't force it, but if the opportunity is there, it's immensely valuable as a part of your influencer strategy. So in a really practical sense, like what kind of things are the founders doing that's helping build those relationships? Like how do you get low involved? How would you get, you know, Trinity at gold involved? She's been on the show as well. Also another amazing founder. Like what are some things that they're actually doing that's helping kind of drive the influencer strategy? I'm a big believer that influencer marketing is the cherry on top of a great brand marketing strategy. So when we're auditing and, and learning about a new brand, I'm asking every single minute detail I possibly can from what is your PR strategy, your social, your content strategies, you have an editorial blog strategy, 
What's your CRM email marketing program? Do you have retail partnerships? All of these details. And then we're finding ways for influencer to plug into all of those avenues. And so knowing that, you know, we basically took inspiration off of Lowe's Love Club and what she's developed across many years. For people who don't know it, Love Club is like this big community of folks around the Love Wellness brand, which they do like supplements, wellness products, and it is massive. They have like tens of thousands of people in there, right? Yeah. And I, and I think also it's such a smart move of her because, you know, female wellness and vaginal health is something that is can be a taboo topic or something people aren't comfortable with. So building a community where it's not taboo, where it's an open dialogue and, you know, everyone is welcome, I think was so genius of her because if, you know, you didn't have that kind of openness in your brand marketing strategy, it could be really intimidating for someone. And so, again, that was her initial strategy. That's what she developed years and years ago. And so we took that inspiration and we're thinking of, okay, could we do a really unique partnership with like a Serena Kerrigan, who also is very bold about her sexuality and, you know, and female health. And can we come up with a really interesting campaign that could, you know, resonate within the existing community? Or can we come up with a really like witty TikTok campaign that ties into one of these trending moments around an influencer asking their partner about female health and all the like things that are not known between a couple. And so we, we took their inspiration and then we're just developing ways that that can translate as we build out our community. So we're not going to influencers and just simply offering them the product. That's table stakes. Anyone can do that. We're sitting and thinking, how can we engage influencers that A, they're inspired because they're working with so many brands, they're getting gifted so many products. So something that will really resonate and fire them up. And secondly, what can break through the noise? Because the amount of supplements, the amount yeah. of female health products on TikTok, on Instagram, it's overwhelming. And so we're taking time in our strategies to come up with these really thoughtful messages and campaigns in order to engage our influencers. So I think it's that combination of, yes, leveraging the you know influential founder, if the opportunity is there, thinking through the different approaches per influencer category, but also taking time to be thoughtful and creative. It's not about just gifting your product to thousands of people. It's about really like positioning your product within their lifestyle. And, in, and also really encouraging the influencer to come back to you with that storyline. You can't, I can't tell you how seed probiotics will integrate in your life. It's really the creator who will come back to us and say, oh, I've been using seed for years and it's changed this, or it's really impacted that, or here's how I, you know, integrated into my skincare regime, regimen, or there's so many different approaches and angles to it. So it's not the marketer who will dictate that exact messaging to you. It's really a call to the creators to come back to us to, you know, inspire an interesting dialogue. I hope this is getting like the wheels turning about creative ideas because it really is like, I don't know, you can look at what other brands have done and kind of think, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just like do that. This is what people are doing. You gift X amount of people and ask them to post with this code or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the stuff, like just think about what you are drawn to when you are scrolling through social media, the people that you listen to, what you actually need to hear to be interested yeah. in a product. I just think, I think about like taking it to that extra step of thinking about it from like, you're the consumer, what would you be doing 
just can like help you kind of think about how you need to be engaging those influencers in the right way. Because I do think we're seeing a lot of like copy and paste formulas. And I just don't think that works anymore. Too many people know that influencer marketing works, right? Like there's too much Mm -hmm. stuff out there on these platforms. You do need to be super creative and clever to actually make something happen. Oh, definitely. I I think it's, it's, there's so much fatigue and and even though, yes. you know, people say, okay, so our paid collaboration is dead. Does that not work anymore? No, certainly not. You can engage an influencer in a paid capacity and it can be incredibly impactful because you're taking the time to come to them with a creative idea and concept, hearing back from them, how they translate that, letting them guide the ship on what platform, what scope, what will make most sense. And having that like collaboration in these campaigns, that's what really works. And it's funny, so many times performance marketers will like scoff at me when I say that because it's not the most efficient. I'm sure you could take, you know, a million dollars and just like spread it across thousands of influencers with the exact same creative brief and the exact same messaging. And you'll see a little bit of return, but it's really by being thoughtful in the relationship in the messaging where you see incredible magic from influence marketing. There's no really like shortcut to it. We do a lot of community building. Female Founder World is a community and now we do some of that for brands as well. And one of the things that I'm constantly telling people and that the team is telling telling brand founders and marketers is like there's no shortcut to community. It's not something that just you can like, like you said, with influencers, it's exactly the same kind of mindset where you can just get a bunch of people and get them to do the same thing. And then all of a sudden you have a community that brand building approach takes time and it takes energy and effort. And I think that, you know, there was this, there was this moment where we, you could funnel a lot of money into paid ads and they were so cheap that you could just use that kind of approach to scale a business. But now we're kind of figuring out that actually it's that like really creative, intentional, brand focused, overtime kind of approach that is building these really big businesses that resonate for a lot longer than some of the flash in the pan DTC companies that we saw like pop up. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I'm you're such a huge inspiration to our team and what you've built. Honestly, just I think what is so magical about female female founder world is the value you're offering people. There's so many resources out there for female founders. I mean, so many. Um, but the quality of the content that you're sharing, the details, the like specifics, the case studies the thoughtfulness of the experiences really, really resonates and it's creative. And that's, I'm sure, led to your success because people are hungry for that human connection. And Mm. if you just go out and copy another podcast or copy another social channel or another, you know, event series, that's what you're going to get. The the quality of work that you put in is what you're going to get out. So I think it it resonates across all elements of brand marketing events, community building, influencer, social media now. It's not a it's not enough to just have a beautiful mm-hmm. feed. We all know that. You have to be putting out unique creative content that offers value. So I think it's like a unanimous across brand marketing. Everyone has to kind of level up. <laughs> That's such a good message. Okay. I want to know if there are any like tools or platforms that you're using to manage these influencer campaigns for your clients. Are you using your own kind of like databases and that's what you're doing? Or do you use any of these platforms you mentioned before? There's like Grin and Shopify has a collab platform now. And and do you recommend people check those out? Yeah, to be totally honest, I, I have used all the platforms over the years in varying capacities. 
And the challenges I find with these influencer marketing platforms are twofold. First, the curation is near impossible to find Mm. creators that really embody your brand values. So yes, they have filtering parameters where you can say, I want to work with a fitness influencer who's a mom in LA with this age range. And yeah, it will, it will spit out, you know, a high volume of possible creators, but there is such a specific kind of layer on top of it of, like I said, when we go back to our curation checklist, the values they embody, you know, their demographics. So I think it's really tricky to rely on that solely. And secondly, the type of creators that you want to work with don't want to get these, you know, generic plastic emails. They really want to feel like they're collaborating with a creative partner. So over time, we've built sort of our, our own proprietary database of, of influencers and creators and a way that we maintain our personalized communication, but can do so in a scaled way, an efficient way that's taken many years. And, and we also are an agency. If you're just starting out, I really feel like it's quality over quantity rather than investing, you know, five figures a month in these really expensive platforms, you can do, you know, the curation and the outreach in an evergreen grassroots way. And you'll see better results than if you pay tens of thousands of dollars click a button, blast out emails to influencers who are not really perfectly aligned with your brand, you're just not going to see the return. So I'm I'm all for going back to the basics of, of curation and outreach. And then certainly, like I said, it, when it comes to a time, and I'm always so transparent with brands when we speak to them, um, I never start too soon with the client because I'll tell them like, there's so much that you can be building in house and you have to have that foundational brand marketing in place. And then when we come on board, when it's worthwhile investing our retainer is when we can just turn up the megaphone and and scale up the program. But if, you know, you don't have that foundational base, it's going to be a waste of money and time. And a lot of that can be done in house by the founder, by an intern, by, you know, a marketer, whatever it might be. So I wouldn't be too intimidated. I know influence marketing can feel like this really huge, massive tactic that you're behind on and like you're late mm. to the game and everyone's doing it. But it really just starts with like thoughtful storytelling and personalized relationship building. And it's pretty amazing what can build over time from that. Have you experimented with platforms like Lemonade? Is Pinterest a platform that folks are using or is it more like TikTok and Instagram for consumer brands is the space that is, you know, converting and building buzz? No, we we diversify our strategies across all platforms and that's done strategically, obviously, because platforms can go away overnight. And there are so many. (laughs) There's like a new one every week. And it it changes. Like when I think of the like six years of dialogue, TikTok wasn't around when we started. So you really have to have that Mm. diversification across your strategy, but also we're it's really specific to the brand. So a product like seed and probiotics are really a complex kind of supplement to understand, to, to recognize the benefit on your health. And so engaging podcasts and YouTube is a really great strategy for that long form content and the way for, you know, creators to storytell versus some of our beauty products are best on TikTok or, you know, Instagram is still an amazing platform. You know, a lot of people are very, quick to polarize and say Instagram's done or YouTube is finished yeah. or Pinterest is. And I think it's just important to use some of the most incredible like re- returns we've seen is through Facebook. So you just have to be really open to what 
where you're reaching your target consumer and what type of creators make most sense. But definitely I, I say test and try across the board. YouTube shorts is a really great thing. We're trying lemonade. We were dabbling in Pinterest. If you're a really highly aesthetic, you know, fashion brand or interior design brand, there's great strategies that can, you know, take place there. So we're open to it all. I do think what you said is so interesting about everyone saying that Instagram is over and I, I hear this a lot as well. I feel like that you can also get so much anxiety as like a brand marketer or a founder thinking like, oh my God, then this is the next platform we need to be on mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's like, just because all of the young people aren't on the platform doesn't mean <laughs> that no one is on the platform or just because right. it's not like the fastest growing, there's still, you know, a lot of people that are using yes. Facebook and Instagram. And, it, and as long as you're very intentional about who you're trying to reach, like, Instagram stories converts really well for me. And totally. you know what I mean? Very it, well, that yeah. worked really well. And it's a very specific person that is watching Instagram stories and that is engaging. And like TikTok, I haven't figured out. It's, it's, it's so it is really interesting. Yeah. I don't, don't like, don't discount those platforms just because they're not sexy at the moment. And I also think I'm always so like, I really guide my clients in that there's, a, as you know, as many creators know, there's so much time that goes into creating content specific to platforms. And if you launch on TikTok, just to launch on TikTok and you're not producing like five videos a day and really creating your voice and and a way to diversify, it's all for nothing. And it kind of looks worse to be on it and not nurturing it. So less is more focus on the communities that make most sense and don't feel the pressure to go across the board and launch on every single platform because it'll do a disservice again, not to, to go about it strategically. Amazing. Yeah. That's really good advice. Okay. Julian, the last question I ask everyone who comes on the show, you are an expert in influencer marketing. Yes. But you're also a female founder yourself. You are building this incredible agency. What is a resource that you want to recommend for other people who are out there trying to do something similar? So something I really believe in strongly is that in order to build online influence, you have to find inspiration offline. And I think so yes. often we can we can get so focused on like just wrapped up in social media and it, it really becomes an echo chamber. And I think of this personally on a you know in my personal life, for example. I just designed a nursery for my daughter. And the first thing I did was create a, a Pinterest board and a, a very kind of uniform trend driven design. And it was my husband who was like, nope, like I'm going to challenge you to scratch that board and design something entirely offline. And so we watched like vintage films and I have a subscription to French AD and we were, you know, walking by galleries and I was getting inspired by color combinations and you know, different aesthetics that you can't find through social channels. And so I've seen that, you know, firsthand of how that's really made me a better marketer and a better creative by finding inspiration offline and also just, you know, more fulfillment. But I've actually taken a step further. And for my team, we now have monthly creative mornings where every, you know, every four weeks, a Tuesday morning, um, the team has offline and the only mandate that you know I've given them is to 
seek inspiration without your phone. And so some of them have gone to like photography exhibits. Some of them have, you know, they might want to watch a morning matinee. They might want to read the New York Times from start to finish. Like totally might want to try out new cooking recipes. It doesn't matter, but we just uh, started our first one last month and it was pretty insane to come back to the drawing board when everyone shared what they did and how it inspired them. And I can just see in our brainstorms when we're coming up with new concepts, again, because it's so saturated, so competitive, so repetitive on social media, we're coming up with new iterations. One of my team members is an actress and loves film. And she's coming with like references from old films for our campaigns. And another one currently is in Paris and living there for six, seven weeks. And she's pulling inspiration from the culture of France. And so allowing you know my team to really seek and find inspiration offline we're such better marketers and we're doing such better campaigns wow so i'm yeah a huge proponent of it and it's ironic from a founder of an influence marketing agency to be like get off yeah. but I, I think you have to do it you've got to get out of the echo chamber you that is just yeah, yeah such a clever such a clever idea julianne thank you so much for coming on the show i'm going to put a link to where to find you, where to find dialogue in the show notes so people can check you out. But I appreciate all of your insights. I've said this already in the show, but you are the person that every brand speaks about and recommends when they're talking about influencer marketing. So we just had to have you on the show. Oh, I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for the chat. Quick shout out to all of our business bestie subscribers. If you are loving this show and you are building a consumer, CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences, and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.